Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. That's right. This is our second episode of this Monday morning. We're going to be talking some college football, y'all. It is officially bowl season, so we are going to be talking about the Monday and Tuesday bowl games. So that will be the Myrtle Beach Bowl. It will be the famous Idaho Potato Bowl and the RoofClaim.com Boca Raton Bowl. So those three bowl games will be the ones that we are talking about here on the show today. For Monday, it'll be more of like a showdown-oriented focus with that Marshall and UConn game, and then more of a whole slate focus on Tuesday with uh, the Boca Raton Bowl and the Idaho Potato Bowl. Um, now, we are going to be with you all of bowl season here, previewing all of, at least as much, as many of the bowls as we can. Um, go, probably going to be taking off the later portion of the week because I will be traveling, but we're going to get as many bowl previews on here as you can, so that way we can give you guys as much information and as much help for playing college football DFS as I can get you. Now, if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon. That's at patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks, and make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks for some stats and facts that I don't always get to during the podcast episodes. All right, so very fun season, y'all. Like, we got college football bowls going on. We got NFL. We got NBA. We got college basketball. I love it. We're covering it all here on Mike's Money Picks, and so make sure you stay tuned for the podcast feed. We're going to have more episodes coming your way. Earlier this morning, I I did a college basketball weekend recap and preview of tonight's slate, so check that out if you're interested in college basketball or daily fantasy college basketball for that matter, and so we're going to have more episodes coming your way as the week goes on. All those sports are going to be included. All right, enough talking. Let's go ahead and start talking about the Myrtle Beach Bowl. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. All right, so here on a Monday, we have the Myrtle Beach Bowl being played between Marshall and UConn. This is going to be kind of an ugly game. The over-under is only 40.5, and Marshall is an 11-point favorite. So this has the potential to be just one of those bowl games on a Monday that just kind of aren't that interesting, I guess. I mean, I love bowl season. I love all college football. But this, to me, is one of the uglier matchups of bowl season. UConn is actually negative in points and in yards on the season. But yet, you know, they made it to 6-6. and They're a good story that UConn's back into a bowl game for the first time in a decade. But they're definitely not one of the best teams that made a bowl game. So let's talk about the quarterback position first. Zion Turner of UConn only averages a little over 100 passing yards per game, and he has no more than 15.7 points in a single game this season. It would greatly shock me if he shows up in this one and UConn starts throwing the ball all over the yard and Zion Turner has a really big performance. I just think that this kind of, UConn's going to rely on the ground game, and I'm not really interested in playing Zion Turner in this one. Meanwhile, Marshall quarterback Cam Fancher has four straight fantasy points over 18, or four straight fantasy performances over 18 points, and he has two straight performances over 23 fantasy points. So he's definitely a higher ceiling and higher floor option. Like I said, he's got four straight games that are better than any game Zion Turner's had this season. So between the two of them, I'm definitely playing Cam Fancher. At running back, so, you know, this is... Most likely, if you're listening to this, you're going to be playing showdown on Monday with this Marshall and UConn game. And look, Marshall's Kalen Laybourne is the top option in showdown. He's going to be by far the highly most highly owned player, and he's going to be by far the most highly used captain. Like, it just is what it is. And honestly, if you're making an optimal lineup, he's probably going to be the guy that shows up in that optimal lineup as the top play. Like, it's just, it is what it is. He's the slate's highest fantasy producer. However, He has seen his attempts drop recently. More on that in a little bit. 
but he does have over 20 fantasy points eight times this season. He's got the highest floor and the highest ceiling of any option on this slate. Now, the pivot play, though is Rasheen Ali, who is a backup running back who has played only two games for Marshall. But he got 16 carries in both games, and he got 30 total fantasy points in those two games for an average of about 15 a game. To me, he's a great value in DraftKings. DraftKings has him blatantly mispriced. FanDuel is more on it in terms of where they have him priced, but he's definitely a guy that I'm going to be putting into my showdown lineup. If you are a brave soul to not play Laybourne, Ali would be the guy to get into your lineup. However, I think that when you're building your lineup, even if you put Laybourne at captain, you're going to have enough flexibility to play Ali and a few other value plays that I'm going to get to here a little bit later. For UConn, Devontae Houston has been their most consistent back all season, but he's kind of been overtaken by Victor Rosa. And Victor Rosa has outtouched him in four straight games. So between the two of them, I would much prefer to play Rosa. And on DraftKings, he's at a much affordable price tag. Now, at the wide receiver position, Corey Gamage is Marshall's number one, and he's by far the most consistent option of any wide receiver in this game. But Charles Montgomery of Marshall has come on strong of late with at least four catches in three straight games, and he's only $2,000 on DraftKings. I think he's an incredible value, and he is their second receiver that I would want to play after Gamage. And in fact, if you want to fade Gamage, the guy I would recommend doing that with would be Charles Montgomery. Now, UConn has had an unproductive passing offense all season long, but the good news is that most of the production is funneled to Evan Turner and Kevin Thursius. Uh, I'm not intrigued by any receiver outside of those two guys' names. Now, granted, watch me say that and some guy goes off, but just looking at the performances, looking at where their target shares are distributed, I'm just not interested in anybody outside of Turner or Thursius. So like I said, for this matchup, if I'm making a showdown build, I'm probably starting with Laybourne at captain, and I think I can find enough value plays to afford that. If you are bold, you can go with Rasheen Ali at captain and maybe see if you can get one up on the rest of the field that is going to inevitably put Laybourne at captain. But I think those are probably the only two guys I would consider putting there. Maybe a Cam Fancher captain, Maybe, but I still think that Marshall, they have such a heavy ground attack and they just, they're going to be able to run the ball. And if the point spread comes to fruition and they win this game by double digits, they're going to be grinding out the clock in the second half. So that just bodes well for Laybourne and Ali. All right, that does it for the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Let's now flip it on over and talk about the two bowl games that are taking place on Tuesday. So first up on Tuesday is the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, home of the world-famous French fry Gatorade bath. Um, So we got Eastern Michigan against San Jose State. San Jose State is four-point favorites, and the over-under is 54 points. So you're looking at a game that is going to be decently high-scoring. It's got two pretty good offenses. Now, at the quarterback position, Siobhan Cordero of San Jose State and Tanner Powell of Eastern Michigan honestly have pretty similar profiles. If you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, Mike, they really don't. Cordero averages much more fantasy points per game. Well, you got to factor in that Tanner Powell left two games with injuries. So if you only count the games that Tanner Powell started and finished, then they're pretty even. Like they're very similar profiles. And I think that if you look at um, the two of these guys, basically it's going to boil down to getting that right. Like you're like you can play both of them in you know regular lineup. If you're playing showdown, you're probably going to have to just pick one and hope to get it right. Now, running back Samson Evans of Eastern Michigan is a true bell cow back. He has three straight games of 23 carries or more, and his backup, Jaywin Jackson, mainly only appears in blowouts. So Samson Evans is the guy that 
He's going to be the top running back option of all of Tuesday's slate, in my opinion, and he's a guy that I'm probably finding a way to get into my lineups. I think it makes more sense from a lineup building standpoint to play Cordero at quarterback and then to have Evans as one of your running backs because I think there's enough options with Toledo and Liberty that you can fill in the skill positions. Um, but I definitely think that Samson Evans is a running back that I want into my lineups for certain. Kerry Robinson is San Jose State's workhorse, and no other back in this offense receives significant work. However, when you're comparing the two of them, unlike the comparison at quarterback that I thought was pretty even, I think this one definitely goes to Evans. Robinson averages seven carries and 35 yards less than Evans on a per-game basis. So Evans is definitely the better player, and Evans is definitely the guy that I want in my lineups. Now, like I said, from a lineup building standpoint, if you want to go with Powell as your quarterback, Robinson makes sense to put as your running back because it's rare where you get games where both the quarterback and the running back go off unless you're just into super game stacking, which I think looking at the other game, I don't think there's a super game stacking potential on this Tuesday slate. Now at the wide receiver position, Elijah Cooks of San Jose State has gone crazy in his last two games for 80 combined fantasy points, 40 in well, 40 for an average in those two games. Dominic Mazzotti is priced pretty highly on DraftKings, but he's not been playing, and I cannot find anything on the internet as to why. And Justin Lockhart has been operating as the second target while Mazzotti has been out. So those three guys are pretty much the only three I would consider for San Jose State. I think that there's enough value in this slate that you don't have to go super far down the board to try to find some of these wide receiver value plays for San Jose State. Those are the three guys that I'm interested in. Now, speaking of only having three guys that I'm interested in, Eastern Michigan primarily plays three wide receivers, Tanner New, Hassan Beydoun, and Dylan Drummond. Now, they all have their pros and cons. New has been the most consistent in terms of fantasy production over the whole season. Like, just very solid option, high floor, decently high ceiling, but he's been the most consistent week in and week out. Dylan Drummond is the guy who's coming on strong as of late. He has at least 16 fantasy points in his last three games. And Hassan Beydoun, don't forget about him, because he actually leads the team in catches on the season. He has the lowest average depth of target of these three guys. He has one of the, uh, the lowest touchdown total of these three guys, but he leads the team in catches. So you're guaranteed when you play him that you're, he's going to get the ball thrown his way. So looking at this bowl game, the Idaho Potato Bowl, like two good quarterback options with Cordero and Powell, two good running back options with Evans and Robinson, and then at receiver, you got Cooks and the three Eastern Michigan guys. If you're playing showdown, it's going to come down to which Eastern Michigan receiver is the one that you want in your lineups and which one do you get right. Now, the one I would be inclined to play, looking at the price tags, I would play Drummond because he's coming on strong as of late and he's at the lowest price. But, you know, granted, if you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, why wouldn't you play Tanner New? New's been the most consistent one. Yeah, I, I absolutely get that. So... If I were building a lineup, I would probably go with Cordero at quarterback, Evans at running back, and then New at receiver. Or no, I'm sorry, not New, Drummond at receiver. And I would probably try to figure out the rest of it from there. Anyway, that does it for the famous Idaho Potato Bowl. Let's take a quick breather before we talk about the Boca Raton Bowl. All right, so now let's talk about the Boca Raton Bowl, which, side note, my time at Charlotte working for the video department, I got to see a lot of different stadiums in college football. And truly, the one in Boca Raton, Florida Atlantic Stadium is one of the coolest that we went to. Just the whole vibes in you know that part of Florida. 
and the way that stadium's constructed just kind of takes full advantage. You really do feel like you're at the beach at this stadium, and it's just really cool, really fun, and great weather. Like, could not ask for better weather. Like, we played a game there in October, and it was 85 degrees. Like, just fun times. Boca Raton, Florida, great spot. Anyway, um, the Boca Raton Bowl is Liberty at Toledo. Toledo is five-point favorites, and the over-under is 54 points. If that sounds familiar, yes, it's very similar in terms of point spread and point total from the Idaho Potato Bowl. So there's not really a game stacking option, in my opinion. I think both these games are going to see some points. If you're playing GPPs and you want to try to win it all and go for a game stack, by all means do. I would say it's more likely that the Eastern Michigan um, San Jose State game goes crazy, but I still think that there's going to be some points scored in this one, and I think that in this one it's going to be fairly easy per- to predict where the points are going to come from. Now, at the quarterback position, Toledo has settled back in on Daquan Finn, who was injured and came back, and he has over 18 fantasy points in every game that he has started and finished. However, the downside, Finn has been dealing with a nagging ankle injury, and Tucker Gleason, who is his backup, looked really good in relief of him in the games where he missed. If Finn, for some reason, misses this game, like we'd have to see a very surprising report come out that he's going to miss. But if he does... I think it's a fairly one-to-one swap. Like Tucker Gleason, you can pretty much you know pencil him in for the same production that Daquan Finn had. He was really good in the games he started. Now, the Liberty quarterback situation is an absolute mess. So we got three names for you, and I don't know which one's going to be starting. I can't find out on Twitter which one's going to be starting either. So Charlie Brewer was the starting quarterback week one, and he injured his hand in that game. Now, he got the start last game that Liberty played against New Mexico State. It was on Thanksgiving weekend, and he went 5-for-9 in terms of passing attempts, and they kind of went away from him after that. I wouldn't say it was a benching because that game got out of hand, but they went away from him. And over the course of the season, two other quarterbacks had played. Caden Salter was the backup that came in right when Brewer got hurt. He had performances of 22 and 30 fantasy points in two starts, and then he got hurt. Since he has came back, he has split snaps, and he has gotten not a full start. Like, he hasn't had a full start since he came back from injury, and he's gotten no more than six fantasy points since returning from injury. So if he gets the start, he's pretty intriguing in my opinion, but I don't think that we can guarantee that he's going to get the start. Jonathan Bennett was the third guy that came in, and he was the starter once Caden Salter got hurt. He was decently productive in his time as a starter. He had three games over 20 fantasy points. But in the last two games that snaps have been split between Salter, Bennett, and Brewer, Bennett's been the bigger producer. He has 13 and 10 in the two games where the snaps were split. So I have no idea what to make of this. If we get any information that one of these guys is the starter, they're a solid option. But as long as they're splitting snaps and they're just kind of doing this like rotation type deal, it's not intriguing to me and you can't play any of them. So um, like I said, I'm going to be checking Twitter. I'm going to be checking you know, Google. Anything I can find to indicate that one of these guys is the starter, but I just, I'm not intrigued until I know that one of them is the starter. Now at the running back position, Liberty also had an injury at the running back position. Day-Day Hunter was their workhorse back, and he got hurt. And since then, it's been a two-man committee with Shedro Lewis and TJ Green. Do not get it twisted. Lewis is the starter, and Green is definitely the backup. Green's best game came when Lewis missed. So Lewis is definitely the guy I would rather play than Green. 
Toledo is also a committee in the backfield. Jacquez Stewart has been their leader in terms of production, but Micah Kelly has been the leader in carries over the course of the whole season, and he's been a pretty significant leader in carries in the last three weeks. He just hasn't really found the end zone. And so if you think that Micah Kelly with all those carries might be in line for some touchdown regression, I think that that's a very good possibility. I think he's very affordable. Jacquez Stewart's very affordable as well, but I think Stewart's gotten a little lucky in terms of the touchdowns, whereas Kelly has gotten unlucky. If you listen to any of the Maction podcasts that I had back in November, Micah Kelly was one of the guys that I hopped up as you can get this team's leader in carries for like $3,000 on DraftKings. And now he's still $4,000, and I still think he's definitely an option. Um, between the two of them, if price tag was even, I would go with Stewart. But since Kelly is cheaper, I would probably prefer to play Micah Kelly. Now, at the wide receiver position, so Liberty's passing offense, while they've been rotating quarterbacks, has been pretty impotent, like it's just been bad. But as bad as it's been, DeMario Douglas has been a super consistent high-floor receiving option. He has over 14 fantasy points in seven straight games. He is the wide receiver among Tuesday's games that I would be definitely trying to get into my lineup because he's going to produce independent of his quarterback situation, and he's going to produce independent of game flow. He's just a super consistent high-floor option, elite cash game option in my opinion. Now, the pivot from Douglas would be Noah Frith. He's kind of been operating as Liberty's number two. And then Jerome Jackson is way down the board in terms of salary, but he does see the field and see the football every game. And to me, that's worth a little something. Like if you're game stacking, get the guy who's going to be out on the field, get the guy who's going to be getting at least a few targets. Like he hasn't had any monster performances, but he's at least out there on the field getting the ball thrown his way. And for a guy who only costs 3,200, that definitely makes Jerome Jackson an option in this slate. Now, the Toledo wide receivers have been very tough to predict all season. Jerwan Newton has been the best and most consistent fantasy option all year long. Devin Maddox has just been okay. I think he's a little overpriced for what he's been doing lately. And to piggyback on that, it's because of Demir Blankemsey. Demir Blankemsey came into the season as Toledo's number one wide receiver. He got injured about halfway through the season, and he is now back from injury. They've kind of been ramping him up and, you know, kind of getting him back into the swing of things, and he has at least 8.7 fantasy points in his last three games. He's the guy that I think has the potential to win you a tournament or win you some big money this week because he is the guy that was the number one. He has that potential. He has that talent in him. He just has to be on the field to do it. And I think that they now feel comfortable enough with his return from injury that he can do it. So Demir Blankemsey, super high upside. He would probably be my pick among this Toledo receiver group. Jamal Turner is the last guy that I would consider. He sees the field every game, but his production went way down once Demir Blankemsey came back from injury. So I think that those two kind of box each other out, and I think I would give the edge to Blankemsey. So looking at Tuesday's slate as a whole, I think that you definitely have three super viable quarterbacks to choose from in Cordero, Powell, and Finn. And so the question is going to become which two of the three do you play and do you get it right? They're all three going to come in super highly owned because I think, much like me, I think everybody's going to avoid the Liberty quarterback situation. So those three quarterbacks are going to come in super highly owned. And the question, like I said, it's going to become which two and do you get it right? I think looking at the way, like holistically building a lineup, I would probably go with Cordero and Finn as my two quarterbacks. At running back, I definitely want to get Samson Evans of Eastern Michigan. I think he is just the most rock solid option at the running back position. And then at the wide receiver position, it's going to come down to the MAC receivers, the Toledo receivers and the 
Western Michigan receivers. It's going to come down to those two teams, those receivers, whether or not you get them right. Like I said earlier, I would prefer Drummond from Eastern Michigan. I would prefer Blank MC from Toledo. It's going to come down to which, like, can you get that position right is what the slate's going to come down to. So when building a lineup, keep that in mind. Um, but anyway, that does it for this podcast, guys. I hope that gave you enough information to build your lineups for the Monday Showdown slate. If you're playing Showdown on Tuesday as well, or if you're like me, if you're playing the two-game slate on Tuesday, I prefer the big slates to, to the Showdown slates. That's just me. But if you're playing either slate, hopefully I gave you plenty of options to get into your lineup. Again, make sure if you want my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you follow me on Twitter. I'd be more than happy to answer any start, sit, or lineup questions, as well as I do some stats and facts that I don't always get to here during the show. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. Good luck in all your DFS contests. Make sure you stay tuned to the podcast feed. I've got coverage coming your way all week long. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time. Mm-hmm.